Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to The View from the Lane, the award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Uh, joining me, your jovial host today, jovial, um, Danny Kelly, are The Athletic's James Moore and Tim Spears. Hello, everybody. Uh, coming up in today's shows, lots of things to talk about, particularly the winner over Bournemouth, and we'll be taking some of your more esoteric listener questions. Before we get started, though, about the game, a little update, a good news, bad news update on the live show that we announced last week. Obviously, the good news is that due to the monstrous size of our fan base, tickets sold out instantly. I rang Taylor Swift afterwards to find out how she avoids the situation. She said, Dan, you've just got to do bigger places, man. Um, but hopefully, for those of you who are disappointed, we will try and organise some more live shows. If not immediately, then, then very, very soon. And... Um, Let's be fair, those of you who missed out the first one, the first one will be kind of trying stuff out. The second one will be just brilliant. So don't be too upset if you haven't got a ticket already. And thank you. Those of you, those of you who, um, who you know, jumped the gun and didn't even wait for the emails, just rang the theatre and demanded tickets like pirates, we love you as well. And the reason perhaps I'm in such jovial mood is without to jumping on a high horse but winning at Bournemouth, um, though all away wins in the Premier League are very difficult, is that Spurs played some decent football. And having played some decent football against Manchester United, I feel like somebody has been released from prison and is feeling the rays of the sun on their face for the first time in three years. The parole board has come and said, Dan, we're going to try and pass the ball forward. We're going to pass to each other. You might like it. And of course, other fans can now come and say, oh, you lot now, you're all deluded, you're great. We're not. But I will, I will celebrate a team that's trying to play football and winning. James, did you enjoy it? Even you. I really did, yeah. I really did. And off the back of a week where, you know, Charlie wrote that piece last week about the language that uh, Ange Postacoglu uses, and he mentioned that enjoy your lunch quote from the end of his kind of big rousing speech of Australia. Yeah. I was watching the game in a pub while eating my lunch, and I really enjoyed it. You're taking him at his word, are you? I've taken him <laughs> at his word, and I've had a fantastic... I was in an incredibly high-risk situation as well, by the way. Eating lunch, having a couple of pints with a few mates who don't support Spurs, in outside a pub that faced onto a main road is in Finchley, which I would say that's Arsenal country, right? To me, that feels like it's got to be Arsenal country. Onto the main road, it's the elephant in Finchley. I'm sure there'll be some listeners that will know it. Having some lovely Thai food, <laughs> watching Spurs with a load of non-Spurs fans, Arsenal fans all over the place. I mean, it's a high wire act. That. Yeah. And it came off perfectly. I was very, very happy. What What is it with London pubs and Thai food? That's, there's, there's lots of things I've yet to get my head around in this city, but but just normal pubs. I think just I can help you with this. Here's the I algorithm. A few noodles, 30 pence, charged to customer, 15 quid. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. It's very, it very good, though. Very good. If you ever, Danny, if you ever go to Wingate and Finchley, you should pop into the Elephant before. Right. Very good. Well, yeah, a, a good pad Thai is a fantastic thing. Tim, calm us down. Tell us what you thought about the game. Mm. 
No, no. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to sully your happiness. I've never no. really seen you guys smile. So Beautiful thing, isn't it? Beautiful thing visually. In, in, in one of your cases, yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. Um, yeah, I, yeah, no, I mean, you know, James talks about language. I mean, we, we're using words that we haven't for a while, you know, mm. words like happy and positive and vibrant, and it's just lovely. And yeah, of course, nobody's getting carried away, and there the, the will be uh, 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 potholes on the horizon, but there's there's nothing to stop everybody enjoying what we're watching right now because, um, as you said at the top of the show, I'm it's just been a checking long time the stats. You said nobody is getting carried away. Let me just check through. Sixty-six percent of the podcast. Uh, yeah, there, there may be some getting carried away. Um, I guess. Uh, I mean, we don't. You don't have to be Helenio Herrera to have worked this out. Central to to much of what happened at Bournemouth, um, James was um, your your namesake, James Madison. Um, and again, we're at the risk of ending up on football cliches with this, um, you know, if ever a player was was born to please Spurs fans. He's the exact model, isn't he? Yeah, and it is, it is that word swagger again, isn't it, that we talked about over the summer. He just has that kind of personality that, I, I mean, realistically, you could play for anyone and make the fans very happy, yeah. obviously. But like, it feels to us very Spurs, this idea that like he's a bit of a cheeky chappy and obviously like a technically very good footballer. And again, as we said uh, in the last couple of podcasts, like, I'd massively underestimated how good he was on the ball. Like I knew his like delivery was incredibly good, that he'd have an opportunity, you know, he'd score some goals from like the edge of the box or mm-hmm. from set pieces or whatever. I, I had no sense really, or very little sense, that he was going to be able to like take players on with the ease that he seems to do it. He's so good to watch, and you know, like that. that clip, have you seen the clip of him winding up the Bournemouth fans by knocking the ball out of the quadrant for the yeah. corner? He, he goes over to take a corner, and all the fans are singing, uh, uh, "Southgate's right, you're effing shite." And he just kind of rolls the ball just out of the quadrant just to kind of get a rise out of him. It's incredibly funny. And obviously they all think that's really funny because, you know, yeah. it's childish behaviour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't think of a player who's come to Spurs and like won everybody over, like as a player and as a person so quickly. And he definitely would have been someone that would have wound up our fans beforehand. I'm sure he was getting a bit of stick last season when we played in the 6-2 early last season, this time last year. Um but yeah, what yeah, a bloke! And but the the, the the skill and the ability to make space for yourself by the, the, your first touch in midfield. I mean, the tactical fouling by Bournemouth. I must admit, I mean, now I'm getting a sort of slight cloud in my otherwise sunlit vista, and that is that um, he must have been fouled ten times in the course of the game. He was certainly fouled eight, but I stopped counting at eight, and uh, not because there was eight different foulers, so not one of them got a yellow card. But you know. All teams get up to this, but it, it was annoying me a, a little bit. And just for those of you who are of a certain vintage, i.e. you're an old git now, um, the player he most reminds me of from Tottenham's past was a, a Scottish player called Alfie Conn, who played for Spurs in the mid-70s in a terrible team, but was had exactly the same attitude to the game and could really, really beat players in a close space. It was like watching Alfie Conn for some of us, Proustian. Um, is the word I'd use. Uh, another important thing, Tim, is that you know these early performances um, by Madison have come away from home, and I was I was making the point on the podcast that Spurs ha- had an issue possibly that away from home over the past several years, and I include the latter years of Pochettino, they'd become incredibly reliant on Kane, um, who scored half his goals away from home, and I always test players and teams 
when they've not got 40,000 people cheering them on. Um, but so far, he, he, it all seems to come the same to Madison. Yeah, definitely. And just reflecting as a team, obviously, you know, difficult away game and we weren't quite sure exactly how they were going to come up on um, on Saturday. But they, they saw the game out with maturity and made proactive substitutions and controlled the game at the end, you know. Um, and Madison was, before he went off, was was typical of that. And maybe, you know, three years ago, he would have been maybe wound up by mm. all that fouling or the, or the fans giving him stick. But, you know, he's he's obviously matured, clearly. I think we can all see that as a person. Um but yeah, it's um, he's kind of got a freer role to an extent, but also positionally he was really important. Certainly in the first half, you know, I thought they did a great job of negating Bournemouth's press, and he was playing deeper than he was too in his in his first two appearances. And like James says, I mean, he's doing things I didn't really think he was capable of, to be honest, or, or not really what we saw of him at Leicester, where he was further up the field. But his positional intelligence is um, is really impressive. He can run a game. His work ethic as well, something I've not really noticed a huge amount of before. Um, and yeah, mature but cheeky. It's uh, it's important to manage him, which, which which he did by substituting him. And I, I think that's the case for a few players. Um, a doggy being one. Um, just a Basuma maybe being another, you know, in terms of injuries that they've had in the past. It's going to be important to manage them. And, and I am slightly concerned by what's below the surface in terms of the first we'll, we'll come on to that. Yeah, um, as we say. Just to note, a note, and these things are often coincidental and caused by the heat of battle, um, his floating around, which uh, was part of the, of the way that they unravelled the, uh, the, the press of Bournemouth, meant that he was marked by Rothwell uh, at one end of the pitch and Billing at the other. They were both substituted um, while he was still on the pitch, if I got it right, um, as, as Bournemouth sought very hard to find a solution to it. Make the point as well, thank you to our... Um, producer for providing me with this, that the most successful players away from home in the Premier League over the past, um, since the start of 2021, were Mohamed Salah with 33 goals and assists, Harry Kane, of course, as mentioned, with 31, and then comes our friend Madison with 23 assists and goals away from home, which is pretty brilliant, I think. Um, you mentioned there Udogi. Lots of players deserve credit. I thought they were all very good, with one notable exception, when, which we'll get on to. I don't speak Portuguese, um, so he might probably, you know, I can, I can get away with it. Um, Udogi was uh, fantastic, I thought. Um, you know, I, I, watching him last year for, with one of my other hats on for Trans Europe Express, I uh, kept saying, uh, every time I see this lad in an Udinese shirt, he's in the opposition penalty area. And sure enough, the first goal, which was probably the best football goal Spurs have scored for quite some time, ends up with him having not one but two touches inside um, the opposition penalty area, Tim. I thought he was real, really good. That was the second goal, Yeah, anyway. constant. Um, Sorry, the second, second goal. Beg your pardon. Yeah, beg your Yeah, a constant ball of energy, looking to attack. Technically very good. Decent defensively as well for all his attacking attributes. Um Again, it just really shows up him more than anyone. Well, and Madison as well. Well, and Van de Ven. I mean, there's quite a few of them, really. But he, he, I guess more than anyone, he sort of shows up what they didn't have last season, particularly in the second half of the season when Perisic was just walking through it and you just had absolutely nothing from that left-hand side of the field and, and Son was out of form. And, and now they just look completely revitalised and rejuvenated and he, and he typifies that. And again, like I said, he'll, he's, he'll, he's one they'll need to manage because he's not going to do this for 38 games. But... He typifies a lot of things, including also the youthful exuberance. 
which is probably something important to point out that last season they looked yeah. so old and laboured and in a lot of cases they were old and laboured and they've really brought down the, the average age of the team third youngest in the Premier League say. third um, oldest last year yeah. so they've, they've really transformed oh there yeah. you go oh, I know. Danny Kelly oh, yeah. with the stats oh, straight yeah. away <laughs> but I mean, you, you, you can see that. You can see that, and you know, we were maybe concerned that they take away experienced heads from the spine with Lloris and and Dyer and Hoiberg and Kane all gone. But it just shows you that, yeah, they in some <coughs> cases they'd gone stale. And this is and not to say that any of those fellas are bad footballers. I mean, you know, they may no, need, they no, may, no, no, but some, sometimes yeah. that just happens. You're at a club yeah. for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Sometimes that can happen, and you need, um, you need this fresh start. Another player. I mean, first of all, let's say let's say that um, the goalkeeper gave me less conniptions than he has in previous games with the ball at his feet. Although I know, and we'll talk about it later, he was involved in a slight tactical change, and that he occasionally belted it long. Um, to keep again Bournemouth's press second guessing um, Van der Ven played well and uh, again I'm sorry to do this to you both because you're both still so youthful there in front of me with your hair pitch black um, but I uh, I was talking um, texting the chap I used to go to the football with before I emigrated to Ireland and he said that Van der Ven was a, an exact mixture between Vertonghen which is a great thing and a man called John Lacey, who many, many years ago, when the earth was still young and dinosaurs roamed its surface, um, John Lacey played at centre-back for Spurs. They got it from Fulham. He looks exactly like Van der Ven in build. And John was, I hope you're not listening, John, was terrible. Um, he was so clunky physically. Um, and, he, I mean, every ball, I was playing on Hackney Marshes at centre-half. The simplest job in the, in the game is to head the ball back to where it came from. You've got everything going for you. It's coming. You already got. John used to head it straight up in the air, uh, and funny enough, we, it was exactly the name that I thought as well. Watching Mickey start out, it's a touch of the John Laces about him. But you know the sins of the fathers. You can't blame him for that. And I think it's interesting to me, James, that watching Pedro Porro try and defend correctly, watching Mickey Van der Ven doing what he was doing, that Romero has now clearly just decided he's the leader of the defence. Chest bumping Porro whenever he did anything good. Um, I think there's, op- there's again there's grounds for optimism with the, with the group. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I think we we kind of speculated over the summer that uh, taking on that vice captain role might bring something good out. Might of go one there, way right? or the and other. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and clearly he didn't have a good season for Spurs last season. He may reflect differently on his uh, overall achievements, including international yeah. football. But for Spurs, it, it was not great. But as much as anything else, I suppose it's probably testament to being in a slightly more settled side, and obviously that could change over the course of uh, over the course of the next couple of months. But also to playing in a system that just feels more coherent and more suited to the players that are, that are in it. And I mean, I mean that is that was one of the most striking things I, I I thought of during that second half, where we looked so comfortable, like they were completely in control. We could tell exactly what they were trying to do. I don't think Bournemouth really had any many good chances in the kind of latter stages of the game. It just looked like Spurs were able to just kind of see it out. And and, and what struck me was, you know, Postacoglu's third game in charge, it, it looked like this was his his team. Like he had handpicked that group of players to play exactly as he wanted them to play. Like he had gone out and said, right, this is my philosophy, this is my style. This is what I want the full-backs to do. This is how I want the centre-backs to play. This is what I want my free midfield to do. And gone out and picked the perfect player for each position, or a perfect player mm-hmm. for each position. It, it wasn't like he'd kind of come in 
picked up the squad that finished eighth last season playing dreadful football. Added a couple of sort of hopeful signings. One sure thing we thought in Madison Shaw, uh, and it kind of suddenly all worked. It, it, it is it is incredible to think that. And again, let's not get carried away after three matches. It, it, but it is incredible but, to see a team play like that to be completely transformed with relatively little churn in personnel. And I know, look, you know, Basuma barely played last season. Saar barely played last season. You're, you're right about that. Obviously, the reality of it is, it's a very different team. But it feels so different. Four of those players started against Bournemouth last time out. I mean, they, they are the same squad, but um, a, a testament to what a bit of instruction. And of course, we all know um, environmentally, happy workers tend to be productive workers. And they just looked to me like they were having... You can't not laugh. That would be unfair on Bournemouth and their professional footballers. But they were enjoying the tasks um, that they were d- doing, um, which takes us then to it's not an elephant in the room, and we don't want to deflate James's fabulous mood of the day. Um, we have to talk about Richarlison. All right, let's let's take away last season, take away the first two games of this season. Let's just if you just took his performance in isolation at Bournemouth. You could say he looked useless, um, the boy. He stood up when he stood on that ball, and you just thought, honestly, I've got nephews who are ten who would have trapped that ball and moved it forward. Um, now, crisis of confidence, all those sorts of things, and bear in mind as well that in the calendar year he scored double figures for Brazil, so he cannot be a bad footballer. This is the moment Tim West Spurs fans are going to have to slightly bite their lip, aren't they? Either. They have to continue with him um, and hope and believe that he will come good because he is a good footballer. Or they're going to have to bring somebody else in and admit that they've got a £60 million uh, loser on their hands. Well, this is it. And you assume you know that they've made that decision already and they'll be making their moves this week if they've decided to bring somebody in because uh, this is an important moment. You know, There is no obvious backup to him in the squad. And uh, if they're going to rely on him until January, then yeah, this this could be an issue. It's not an issue at the moment because um, of the six goals they've scored, they've had five goal scorers and an own goal, so they're sharing the goals around. Um, but Richarlison and Son, you know, you two you two sort of top scorers in theory, um, neither of whom have hit the target or really looked like scoring too often either. Um, it's definitely a confidence issue. I, th- I think the way that he let that ball from Madison sort of slip through his his uh, grasp with his with his bumbling feet. He really got his feet in a muddle where he should yeah. have been hitting that ball so early and he really should have scored that. It was an ideal chance for him, actually. As soon and the header on the far post where an informed yeah. player, that, that was a free header. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But but both of them, you would have, you would have expected him, you expect him to score at least one. So, yeah, I don't know. Brennan Johnson's one, obviously, that, that they're looking at quite closely. I don't think he's going to solve uh, that problem that they have um uh creativity is not an issue I, I think it's really important to get a striker in you know Valise is going to take a while to adapt and it doesn't seem like we're going to see him very much of him at all um in the first half of this season at least so we've heard before I remember um Jack Lang coming on towards the end of last season kind of saying how uh was it Marco Silva was a real key figure in in Richarlison's career in that he was a real father figure to him. And it seems like Postacoglu would be the ideal guy to get it out of him. So maybe he just needs a bit of time, needs a bit of break. We, we've seen it before with strikers. Once you get that one, you feel completely different. So maybe that comes against Fulham uh, in midweek. 
James, uh, stick or twist uh, with, with Richarlison? Uh, too early to make a definitive uh, view, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, but also I think there's probably a happy medium between the two, right? Like, sign a striker to compete for that position rather than uh, kind of writing sure. off completely. It is difficult, and, uh, you know, he's obviously such a good bloke. And, and you know, we said similar things about Madison. There's a perception of him being a complete sod. Uh, but he, he, like, some of the things he does, and, you know, you joked about not speaking Portuguese, but he actually does speak incredibly yes, does, good English yeah. and has funded... Uh, English lessons for like kids in Brazil who otherwise wouldn't be able to learn English. I yeah, think, I think that's right. He spent like quite a lot of money on that, uh, and all of that does like only increase the like heartache, frustration, and frustration, isn't it? When he's doing his kind of unlucky alphabet in front of goal and like nothing seems to be going in, and you know I, I will now risk the wrath of Adam Hurry mm-hmm. for the cliches. He just needs one to go in off his arse. Right, he just needs uh, he just needs a lucky no, I, goal. I, 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 do, I do agree with you. He's 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 good enough. He's more than good and enough. And I, I suspect, and I mean, I don't imagine he would say any different publicly. But I suspect Postecoglou isn't massively disappointed with how he's played. And I think we said last week, the expectation of a centre forward in this team in this mm-hmm. system isn't to have dozens and dozens of touches of the ball. They are going to be starved of possession quite a lot, but obviously when the ball comes your way, particularly in a penalty area, you've got you've got to take the chance. So he has to do better. Uh, it, it's definitely a worry, and he would have been a player more, even more than Son, that you wanted to see get a goal in the first couple of games. And I think after three games, it probably that probably is about the point where it starts to become quote unquote a thing. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I, but I mean, yeah, I, I, that that is what would concern me slightly with the Brennan Johnson thing. It sounds like that is more of a live possibility than anything else at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, a wide player rather than a centre forward. I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure that's exactly what they need. I'd probably stick with my order of preference from last week. Centre forward, centre back, wide forward, centre midfield, in that order. Yeah, but it, it, centre forwards are just so rare and hard to get hold of. Um, yeah. There isn't, yeah, exactly. There isn't like an obvious, you know, there isn't an obvious solution to the problem. And now everyone is now obsessed with Gift Orban because he scored X goals in goals yeah. over the last ten or eight months, I think, isn't it? It's, it's a real burst, yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. He, he is a whatever anyone might think, having watched him on YouTube or Y Scout or whatever else. He that is a punt yeah. still. Like he may be an amazing player if he ends up being fantastic at Spurs or someone else. That isn't gonna that is, doesn't come back to sting me for saying that. But it is a punt to spend at least around £30 million on him. He's not a sure thing. Um, but they need to find a solution to that and they really should have been looking for it before now. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody has this. I mean, Dusan Vlaovic, when Juventus got him, the whole world was going, oh God, now they've really added their team. He has struggled a little bit there, but they too have got, they've decided they've got to persevere with him. They have to believe that he will come properly, consistently good. Um, and this, for Charleston, I, I don't think Brandon Johnson is a, is a, is, a, is a is a problem in that department because I suspect that um, Postecoglou thinks you can play this system without an out and out centre forward and have the three front people yeah. interchanging. I, I I bow to his greater knowledge there because I'm not so sure myself. Well, I, I, I think I think you, I think you would say on him. I, I, I'd be surprised if Spurs brought in a striker to supplant him and, and took their 60 million striker and relegated him to the bench three games into 
yes. what is a new start for yeah. him after after being after being the fourth guy last season and not and he's waiting for this chance and didn't get it. And there's there's a there's a real and more than anyone I think as James sort of suggested out there he's going to have fewer touches and it's going to take him a while to adapt to this system and this this new style and new teammates around him or new signings joining him whatever so I feel like we need to cut him a, a little bit a little bit of slack and yes he hasn't played too well but I, I don't feel like he's not working hard I just think he's not getting the breaks any, all right any. well let me let me ask James this is that this is an issue for me and um, when was the last time Spurs Bought a striker who worked, who hadn't already who hadn't already been at the club previously. Oh, so hang on, who are we discounting? Oh, so we're discounting Defoe, like Keane, maybe as far back as Sheringham. Are we talking about Berbatov being the uh, last four? Yeah, we? Berbatov's the standout, and I mean, I, <clears throat> so one of the one of the unkind comments I did uh, get uh, watching this game with friends on Saturday was that he did have a sort of Roberto Soldado vibe. Richarlison and that was kind of the sense that kind of uh, overcame me while watching him kind of stumble over the ball and knock and actually his touch I thought was very good to knock it around the goalkeeper obviously he knocked it slightly too far so he didn't just get mm-hmm. the tap in um, but yeah it did feel like that that kind of sense of dread that I'd completely forgotten existed over the last oh, nine God, yeah. years because Harry Kane obviously just incredibly consistent in front of goal obviously Um yeah, it would have to be Berbatov, wouldn't it? I don't think it's, but even if you look at Berbatov's numbers of goals scored, I think he scored like sort of forty goals over two seasons in all competitions, which is obviously yeah. fine, but not earth shattering. He did, he did, he did unleash Keane uh, as well, though. So they, he, they were a fantastic pairing. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. Tim. I was going to say that there aren't many strikers that that are scoring goals in the Premier League. Like it's not just a Spurs thing. Um, apart from Haaland and and a one year Forest who's on that crazy run. Uh, um, Ivan Tony, you know, of blessed memory. You look at um, <laughs> you look at I don't know Fulham's new striker is Jimenez, who doesn't score. Uh, Jackson missed missing numerous chances and finally got on for for Chelsea. Man United don't have a, a goal scoring sort of striker or number nine at the moment. Everton don't have one. Fabio Everton, Silva doesn't come, score you can't chuck balls. Everton like, in there. No, no, but I'm just saying there aren't many. If you if you if you look, if you look across the Premier League in terms of central strikers who regularly score, yeah, it's true. Regularly scoring. Oh no, and if there, you there, there if, if many, this situation so had arisen. Sixteen months ago, we'd be saying, "You know who we could get? Richarlison from Everton." Um, and, you know, so perhaps yeah, exactly. they they do have to uh, to maintain some pace for him. Certainly, the manager said all the right things afterwards. My favourite bit was, "There's no time in this game for people to dwell or think ir- uh, introspectively about where they are." The but the man is a proper philosopher. He does need a little bit of credit as well. A for having a pop at Gary Neville um, about inverted fullback, saying that he just copying Pep when he was doing it himself, admittedly in a, in a, in a less demanding league in Japan um, 15 years ago. Um, a little bit, you mentioned it, Tim, and I'll allow you to lead on this because um, I thought the substitutions, not critical because Spurs weren't behind, but when Bournemouth had their good spell, he broke it by, by changing the way Spurs were, were lined up. Yeah, he did. A- added Added control just when they needed it. The opposite of sort of what Newcastle did yesterday, and that they ended up, you know, blowing the game by bringing on players who were quite stagnant and taking off their best player in Gordon. I don't know. I just thought that was quite a marked sort of contrast. Um, but it was the fact that they were sort of proactive. Danny was, you know, a lot of managers would managers would have given it another five or ten just to see how things were going. But that's sort of Postecoglou all over, really. He's sort of thinking one step ahead at the moment, 
and um, positive, proactive. And yeah, I thought I thought they saw the game out really well. What could have been a, a very sticky sort yeah, of last half an hour. You know, so so far with the the doubts about Richarlison and you know, bearing in mind that football is there to is designed to stub your toe. Um, a lovely, lovely afternoon spent by the side of a motorway in London with your pad tie, or in my case, um, I, I tell you what the feeling was. It's not the happiness I felt afterwards. I actually mentioned it to the Arsenal supporting wife. I said, I'm really looking forward to this game. I haven't said that to her for four years. Um, you know, I was enduring yeah. Tottenham Hotspur games. Now, they could have lost and I probably would have been as, as mean as a, as a long-tailed cat in a, in a room full of rocking chairs. Um, but I actually, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the build-up to it. I didn't watch the build-up to it. I do it for a living. It's busman solid. I can't stand it. Once they kicked off, um, enjoyed everything. And I looked forward to seeing the game. It's just just lovely. Absolutely lovely. Don't spoil it now, Spurs. Uh, keep at it. Um, and, have, and having a go at Gary Neville shows a growing confidence in the manager. We'll take a break and soon we'll come back with uh, little bits of updates about other things. Plus some more of your impertinent questions that we've allowed you to ask us uh, through the, the miracles of email and much else besides. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The View from the Lane with James Moore, Tim Spears, and me, Danny Kelly. Um, the row about refereeing uh, following Mike Dean's weird admissions about VAR would normally be debris in the wind, but of course it involved Spurs, so I'd love to get your views on it. Tim, unusual for people to make this kind of honest um, admission, and also unusual in just how stupid the admission was. I mean, he always sort of came across as an egotistical sort of self-serving person when refereeing, you know, apologies to Mike Dean if, if those words aren't attributable to his personality, but that's just how he came across. And I guess he's continuing that now in his, in his new career in the media. Um, uh, yeah. Sharing this anecdote is, uh, I, I can't believe he's done it really. He comes across as quite a smart fella. Um, surely he must've known the power that his words would have here. Um, I just don't understand what was so embarrassing for his mate, the referee, in that situation. He he just missed it, hadn't he? It's not like he saw the hair pull and said, "No, that's okay. Yeah. It's it's fine." So what what was so embarrassing and humiliating about taking him over to see an incident? Well, that's, that he hadn't but that's seen? what VAR was there for so, to help them. Exactly. So it's it's he's he's made it. He's made everybody look stupid at the time by by Dean. You know, seeing it and and effectively leading everyone to miss it. So he made he made the whole system look stupid at the time, and he's made it look stupid again now because it just looks like well, obviously it looks like because it's what's happened. He's done his mate a favour. 
So if Dean's the one that's sort of stupid enough to come out and say it, then uh, you, you'd imagine it's also happening elsewhere. So I despair, despair really. <laughs> it's done no one any favours. Well, the good thing about it, I guess, is it does seemingly prove a theory that a lot of us had that this was happening. And I suspect there would have been moments last season where mm. you and I, Danny, yeah. said he doesn't, he doesn't want to stitch his mate up there. But that, that particular instance of it, as you say, is just... Just ludicrous. There's absolutely no I mean, benefit. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that he had made. A, he had actively made an indirect, uh, an incorrect decision that then needed to be overturned. He just missed it. The, the comedy, the comedy of Christian Romero. Of course, it was Christian Romero. Of course, it was pulling Cucurella's lovely, luxuriant locks. Um, you know, it was great for us as Spurs fans. But I think if the referee had been had his attention, he would have been sent off for violent conduct. Because that, you know, that's a part of his person that he's just dragged him to the ground by. I mean. I, I, ju- I just, I suppose as Spurs fans, we should make the point that there is nothing more exhilarating than the undeserved equaliser away from home against local rivals yeah. in the 96th minute. But the undeserved and unjust equaliser away from home in the 96th minute at local rivals, it's even more delicious now. It's like somebody has got, you know, you've got your ice cream, you've got your hundreds and thousands. Here comes the man with the chocolate sauce just to add to it. Lovely. But- Danny, what about what about the butterfly the butterfly effect of this whole thing that that decision that draw led to Tuchel completely losing his head? Yep. Obviously, we saw yep. the contact at the end of that game, and then within what a month or so of that, six weeks, he'd been sacked, and Conte stayed in the job for more or less the entire season. Like, had had it been the other way around, could it have unraveled the other oh, way? I, 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 mean, I thought oh, about this. Um, when, when, when the, the Dean thing was revealed, and of course the butterfly effect goes on, doesn't it? Tuchel ends up at Bayern Munich because of the chaos in their boardroom. He has suddenly all the power over transfers. He insists they spend a record club record fee on Harry Kane, and it's almost his revenge for Cucurella, isn't it? Let's be truthful. Um, still, it was a great laugh at the time, um, but I just wish the ref. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all that matters. <laughs> I I had a good laugh, and that's all that matters. Um, I'll repeat again my mantra. I, I've got, look, you can still see the blisters on my fist where I used to bang on the table demanding VAR be brought in. I never occurred to me in a million years of my wildest dreams that the referees on the pitch will be the ones doing the VAR. I thought it would be independent people and presumably with professional footballers to advise them. Oh, no, it's the same peacocks who strut about the pitch Doing it with it with it for each other, it's absolutely ridiculous. Lovely picture, and of course this is an audio um, event, so you'll be, of Ozzy Ardiles, who likes to get in with all the Spurs managers. I mean, obviously with Poch, it was no problem. They just went off and at stake together. But there's a lovely picture of him at the training ground, recovered his health, of course, Ozzy, um, a true Spurs great, um, after you know having uh, some bad health last year. Uh, with Postacoglu and the headline Aussie meets Aussie is very, very nice indeed. And Aussie himself, Aussie Ardiles, wrote, very nice to meet Ange today for the first time. Huge job ahead. But always, already we can see improvements in all areas. The way the team plays, the atmosphere in the club, the response of the players, uh, the communion already with the fans. Lovely word there, very Catholic word to use there. It's going to be a wonderful season. Come on, you Spurs. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All of which, in the absence of hard news about incoming transfers and all the rest of it, takes us to listeners' questions, um, which I'd love to get uh, your views from. Remember, you can get in contact with the show via our Twitter page at VFTL Podcast, at VFTL Podcast, or if you're more old school, school's spelt with a K. Um, email us at vftl at theathletic.com, vftl at theathletic.com. Um, you said in the last, this is Peter Drury, um, you, not that one. You said in the last pod that we should only be replacing our first 11 to build a better squad. That's my idea that, you know, you buy the players that are better than the ones in the first team. If yesterday's first 11 is our best, who gets replaced? We've answered that already, haven't we? Yes, I, uh, that, that, that is fair. Also, I mean, that was your theory, yeah. by the way. I would still bring in another centre-half yeah. who would potentially be... Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm not not sure I agree with that either, to be honest. I, I, I understand, like, broadly speaking, I think once you're up and running, like, when you're a year, 18 months mm-hmm. into the quote-unquote project, then that, I think, applies. But when you're rebuilding from a kind of standing start and you've got, like, odds and sods of a team and you've got some squad players, some first-team players, I think it's fine to... In this instance, sign a centre half who will be like playing from the bench, trying to break into the team rather than the other way around. Okay, I mean, uh, I just uh, think that Premier League clubs all tend to do this and end up stockpiling number the sort of twelfth and thirteenth player on the roster. They've all got a bad. I mean, although it must be, I should have said this in the Bournemouth thing. Um, I thought the Spurs' bench looked as good as it's been for a long, long time as well. All those players. I know. I know you all. You know. Ben Davis is the worst player ever to pull on a Spurs shirt. He's got to go, all the rest of it. Hoiberg, he's an absolute fraud. He can't play. These are decent, excellent Premier League footballers who've been in a rotten team for several years now. I, I had no problem when Hoiberg came on. I thought he would do exactly what he did, slow the game down slightly, be a breakwater against Bournemouth's attempts at getting back in the game. Ben Davis is a perfectly decent footballer who likes going forward, who knew... Um, but uh, the, the bench looks stronger. Um, this is an interesting one from, uh, I, I want to say Ely, could be Eli. Um, what are the realistic expectations in terms of finishing position for Spurs this season? He goes on to say there is obviously a lot of optimism after those first few games, but I don't know whether fans should be justified in being more hopeful about a higher finish than previously expected. I'm going to put this to you, Tim, actually, um, with your neutral head on first. Where is a where is a likely finishing position, not a desired finishing position, a likely finishing position for this Spurs team? I said six at the start of the season, and I haven't changed from that actually. Despite the good start, I do I do think there'll be, there'll be a drop off at some point, and and certain players who are doing very well right now will not reproduce this for for thirty eight games of the season due to. Um, certainly, there'll be injury issues, and certainly, you know, um, some of them are very young, and they're hard to keep that consistency up. So I just think there will, there will be a bit of a drop-off. I know what you mean about the bench. 
in terms of, I mean, they all look, they're all senior players, they're all recognisable names, it's a stronger bench. But I'm not sure uh, there are many that can sort of step in and, and recreate the levels that we're seeing right now. Do you know what? M- maybe that's doing them a disservice because Postacoglu has, has um, engineered an improvement in quite a few players. So so maybe maybe Ben Davis and, and Perisic will come in and, and set the world alight. But no, I, I've I've got a few qualms about the squad. So I would say I would say sixth. I would say Villa and Newcastle uh, looking a, a little bit more sort of inconsistent than maybe. Uh, we would have thought before the season began. Surely you can't believe Villa are going to keep that up. Come on! I just well, I mean, because Villa obviously had that that five one thrashing at Newcastle on the opening day. Then you look at Newcastle if they lose at Brighton this weekend, then they'll go into the international break with three points from four Crisis. games and be you know, looking towards the bottom of the, bottom of the table. And yeah, they've had Brighton. Are, Brighton are in crisis. Brighton, uh, Brighton's lost twice, haven't they? Yeah, lost once. Yeah. That's the thing. So, I mean, yeah, Newcastle have had a really tough start in terms of fixtures, but but yeah, I think I think that they'll both find it hard to replicate what they did last season. So, um, yeah, I would say on 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 the balance of it, Spurs will be six. I'll, I'll still settle for that. I I I will I repeat it again. I think the mid the nine midweek games. Ironically, I know they've got a game this midweek, but fewer midweek games than the other teams at the top. Uh, I think will be a big plus. Tim is definitely right. There'll be some kind of regretting to the mean, and some players will will drop off. Uh, I, I sadly I reckon there'll probably be one player who will always think of as having played well at the start of the season and then being shit again forever mm-hmm. after that. Just the way yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, of course. And if it's only one player, that would be just great, wouldn't it? Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, uh, they started this season as well as last season. I think, haven't they? Seven points from the first. I think they've got ten points from the first four games last yeah, season. Well, and obviously, under Nuno, as we've said course. many times, they won the first three games. So they're doing worse than they did under Nuno. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, Tim I, nodded, nods uh, sagely. Yeah, <laughs> really good manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would be fairly confident that if, I, I don't see any reason to, to to swing either way, up or down from that. Okay, well, I, I I have plenty of ceiling room here for being more optimistic because I said they finished eighth. Um, after you know, I was in I was in I was in trauma post uh, stress trauma with the Harry Kane thing. And I think it's still going to be, a, you know, a season where that, I, I genuinely think we'll 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 see them lose some games that we think, oh, you know, um, if only they'd been a bit more solid. But I don't want them to be a bit more solid just now. And after, the, as I say, after the three years in prison, I want to enjoy um, the the sun on my face and the occasional party uh, where I misbehave wildly and out of character. Um, but of course, but it's it's not, it's not just Spurs that we've had a look at here. You know, I guess. You, the, the teams that they'll be competing with for fourth, fifth, sixth spot, there are some serious deficiencies there. You know, I know Liverpool got a great result yesterday, but their defence is absolutely horrific. And Man United's midfield looks absolutely atrocious. And, you know, they, they've got no obvious goal scorer either. So I think, I, I, what, what I would say is that I think they'll be closer to, they'll be in the mix for fourth for, for longer than I would have thought at, at the start of the season. And, and I'd give them a, a, a slightly bigger chance of a surprise run at the top four than I would have done. Um, well, I, I yeah, suppose three I, 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 after three games, I, I, I guess it's, uh, there is, a, in my mind, a, a growing possibility um, that this transformation, which, I, which I, I think I said, these things are doable very quickly in football. You, you know, Arsenal fans would burn the ground down 18 months before they were nearly t- champions of England. Burnley were transformed by one manager in a space of six weeks um, uh, at the start of last season from one kind of football team into another. Um, so I think there's more optimism in my mind as well that they might well challenge for European places. Um, I, I still think fourth or fifth is a little bit optimistic, but I tell you what, 
in a rare outburst on here. I'd love to be proven wrong. I mean, I so rarely am. I'd enjoy the novelty, to be fair. Um, <laughs> equally optimistic is Rico, who has emailed us to say, have we now finally replaced, and then he goes through the, the sort of almost the Champions League team, certainly the team that challenged Leicester for the title, Rose Walker, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Dembele, and Eriksen, and he mentions Udogi, Porro, Romero, Van de Ven, Bissouma, and Madison. I'm going to throw this question to myself. Um, you know what? Yes, they are. They are last. They are last buying players who have at least the prospect and the ceiling of going some way to replacing that fantastic group of players Spurs had. But the real thing here is Postecoglou, isn't it? Because I, don't, you know, after watching. Papsar be given no chance. I'm watching Eve Bissouma being treated like he was a naughty child for some reason under Antonio Conte. Um, and watching Pedro Porro being thrown into a system. Yes, I know he's supposed to be a wing back, but if it wasn't working for him, as it wasn't in most of the games he played last season, despite my optimism about him as a footballer, um, instruct the guy, change the system slightly. Or, you know, I, I think there's a good chance. A doggy looks like he's going to be fine. Porro is going to be, I think he's going to be a top player. Romero already is if he controls himself and he's showing his signs. Van de Ven can throw off the John Lacey tag. Bissouma, I mean, defensive midfielders who can pass the ball forward are going for a hundred million pound a pop. And James Madison, oh well, it's fantastic. So um, I guess, James, my answer to that is yes. Do you share my sunny optimism? It's definitely as close as they've come to doing it in all of those cases. I mean, I, I mean, looking at those names, the only one I think we've even mentioned, or, or anyone would even have realistically said uh, could have been replaced since that player either left or kind of dropped off, would have been Dembele when, I, I, as we've said many times, more or less everyone who's played in midfield, we've said, is the replacement for Dembele. Uh, but it certainly feels stylistically like the closest comparison we've seen. And in terms of ceiling... Looks pretty high on the basis of these three games. I mean, obviously, we talked about that regression and uh, a regression to the mean a minute ago. So we'll see how we go. But yeah, I mean, when you look at it like that, it is pretty stark. It does feel quite exciting to think those are mostly, with the exception of Madison players, who are have all of their kind of peak or should have all of their peak years ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, so if that can be like the basis of a team that goes into the next. You probably could also chuck Vicario and Lloris on there, maybe. I mean, it, I, remains to be seen. Vicar I, Vicario it, it, I, is an upgrade on Lloris of last season so far. Yeah. But he's got a long way to, to put those 10 years in at that level, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, but I, I think if, that, if that's the nucleus of a team for the next five years, then I would say there's definite cause for big optimism. Yeah. Um, Spurs got a game uh, this week. Um, we'll, we'll obviously... Uh, preview the next league game uh, on Thursday or Wednesday whenever we do the podcast. They've got this Carabao Cup second round game and Craven Cottage on Tuesday against Fulham. Not by no means the worst team. I'll, I'll throw it to you, James. Does, are Spurs, a, how seriously are you going to take the Carabao Cup? And B, does that mean um, that we're going to see the first team playing in an unusual change for recent Spurs managers? I think Postacoglu has said uh, he wants to win every game and has sort of suggested he's going to pick the, a strong team. I, I would be surprised if there wasn't a little bit of rotation sure. with that in mind. But yeah, that's what I, like, if yeah. you're asking me the team that I would like to see play, I'd, 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 I would leave Richarlison yes. in. 
mainly because there isn't really anyone else to play up front. It'd be good to see Solomon play a game. It'd be good to see Lacelso start a game. So, uh, I guess you doggy is probably going to sit one out, given he took that knock towards Perisic the game. Perisic will probably play, I feel, yeah. Seemingly fine. Yeah, Perisic maybe would be good. Actually, we get, we're changing yeah, the, the entire team, team will change. Through. Yeah. I, they, I, the ideal number is four changes is what you need, I think. Maybe five. It'd be brilliant to watch per- um, uh, Richarlison and Jimenez not scoring on the same pitch together. But it could be a very exciting game mm. to watch. Now you've done it. Tim, I take, it. I take it... Um, it's, it's, it's common sense. The Spurs have got to take this competition seriously in, at this stage of their development. Yeah, and, and, I th- and I think they will. I think we'll see sort of five, six changes and it'll be a strong team. I think, yeah, a, a doggy and Madison are, are two that you'd, you'd imagine won't play. Um, Sol- Solomon and Solomon and Lacelso are the two that I'd really look forward to seeing. And Jed Spence, of course, when he starts. Uh, we're all very excited Poor about that, Jed. aren't we? Um, so, yeah, it's... it's, <laughs> it's um, I can't imagine Fulham are going to take it too seriously. Just judging on what Marco Silva's done, not only with his with his previous clubs, but also with Fulham last season, he made ten changes and they lost at Crawl. Was who, who did they lose to in the first round? Sorry, Quite, yeah. Just hold, hold on, everyone. Tim Spears is googling who Fulham lost no, they, in the league they, last season. They got knocked out early. Um, Crawley Town, I was, I was right. That was, that was, that, no, that was Should've brilliant, Tim. Guns. You said lost, the right yeah. thing, then you went to show that you checked it to make sure it was right, and then, of course, you were right all along. That was the perfect view from the lane moment. See, I was right all along is our favourite. And, of course, at the, at the upcoming live show in November, we will be selling a range of T-shirts and hoodies, including one that says, I was right all along. <laughs> I, was, I was right about Kyle Walker's loan spell at Northampton, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as I say, it's great, it's tricky. It's tricky to uh, even preview the Fulham game because we've no idea what kind of side either club will put out. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave ourselves with the prospect of a, whichever eleven Ange Postecoglou picks. Let's hope um, they can play with the freedom and enjoyment that brought so much fun against Bournemouth. I'm determined to have this podcast apart from picking at Richarlison, full of joy and sunlit uplands. Of course, that means that I was delighted that my colleagues for the last hour were James Moore and Tim Spears. Thank you both for being so upful. Thank you lot for listening to us. And to remind you that these days we do have our official home on Twitter at VFTL Podcast. For more comprehensive Spurs coverage, make sure you sign up to The Athletic. Take advantage of our limited time offer of just $1 or £1 per month for 12 months. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod subscribe. See you next time. The Athletic.